0: Today if you have your Bible please be turning uh to the Gospel of Luke and we're going to do something as far as the scripture reading today a little bit out of the ordinary we're going to read two different portions of scripture but focus on the second one so be finding Luke chapter 19 if you would and again it's good to be here today good to be in the Lord's house and uh, it's good to have guests with us and we've come to worship the Lord and to honor him To learn about Him, to obey Him, to grow in grace. You know, I realize that people have been anticipating the return of Christ from the first century in the epistles. We read in the first century of Paul writing about the imminent return of Christ, that He could come at any time. And we've been hearing that preached our our whole lifetime. But I'll tell you, I've never felt any more of an urgency than I do today about the fact that Jesus could come at any moment, and we want Him to come, but we want to be we want to be ready to see Him when He for number one we want to make sure we save that we belong to the Lord that we that we are going to see Him, but second of all we're going to stand before Him, and will He say, "Well done, good and faithful servant," and those are the You say, how can we know that? By living the life that God wants us to live while we wait for Him to come. And that's really what this passage is about. If you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. And as I said earlier, I want to read a portion of Scripture, and then we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew and read a similar parallel Scripture, but with different details. Luke 19 and verse 11 says... And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, and here's the parable, here's the story, the lesson. He said, therefore, in verse 12, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. He's going to go away. He's going to come back. He distributes his uh, resources and he says, Occupy till I come. Verse 14, But his citizens, these are not his servants, these are his citizens, but his citizens hated him. "...and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, he did come back. When he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds." And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin, for I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, severe, serious, serious. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto them, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury, another word for interest, and he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. They questioned him. For I say unto you, that unto every one ha- which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Now, if you would please turn to the left of the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll read another passage and then pray. This is a similar lesson, different details, but the same principle. And I think it'd be good to look at both of these together. Matthew chapter 25, and I'll begin reading in verse 14. Matthew 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. You see the, the similarities here. Under one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hadst not sown, and gathering where thou hadst not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather." Where I have not strawed, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We want to take it seriously. We ask you, Lord, to help us as we give our mind, our attention to learning, to being reminded, to be encouraged, to be edified by the words that you give us Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to apply it to our life. Help us, O Lord, to walk, to live, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Father, it may not seem that important sometimes in our busy lives, but one day... It will be of utmost importance that we might hear you say well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, most of us today are familiar with this passage of scripture, with the teaching of this scripture. And uh, I want to just kind of begin really by laying out. The, the, the basic te- teaching of the scripture, this man traveling to a far country, it's written about in the Gospel of Luke, written about in the book of Matthew. Luke, Luke calls him a certain nobleman. This person is obviously talking about the Lord. Jesus is talking about himself. That he's going to depart and go to a far country, that far country being heaven. If you look in Matthew 25, and we'll spend most of our time here, if you look in earlier in that chapter in verse 6, he gives another parable, and he said in verse 6 of that, and At midnight there, uh, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. He's teaching about the coming, of his own coming. He's going to go away, he's going to come back. If you look in verse 13, right before we began our reading in verse 13, the Bible says, Watch therefore, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh, For The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling. And so so Jesus is giving them this parable, this story, this analogy of his his coming. At the ascension, the disciples watched him as he went up into heaven. And he said before he left, My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself and in Acts chapter 1 the disciples watched that as Jesus ascended into heaven and there were angels there that were present and they said this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner and so this is what this parable is about Jesus was saying I'm gonna leave I'm gonna go back to heaven I'm gonna come back and when I come back there's gonna be an accounting but while I'm gone this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to be mindful of while I'm gone. And look, If you look there in our text in verse 14, he says, A man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So before Jesus went into heaven, he called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And he distributed to them. Some got five talents, some two talents, some one talent. And verse 15 said... Then that he took his journey, he went back to heaven. Now again, Luke 19 was had the same basic principles, but there was ten servants, each was given a pound, each one with some with pound gained ten pounds. I, I never read that, that I don't think about uh, traveling. My wife and I are traveling and going to churches week by week, and we we leave here with one pound, and after they feed us so well, we come back with ten pounds. But that's not exactly what the Bible is teaching here. The word pounds is actually a denomination of money. And so they were to occupy till he returned. And he will return. He would return and he will return. Now what did these what did these servants do in our text? In verse 16 the guy who had five talents who uh, put them to use and gained another five talents. Similarly verse 17 the guy that had two talents put them to use, gained two other talents. And of course, the one in verse uh, 18, it says, if you look there, and I hope you'll keep looking at your Bible as we're reading, it says, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So the one, one guy did not use it. He hid it, hid his Lord's money. And uh, in Luke's gospel, where we are read the same thing, two talents Two guys faithfully served and used the resources given to them. But the other there laid it up in a napkin and did nothing with it. Now look in verse 19 of Matthew 25. It says, And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. So first of all, it was after a long time. And when you and I read that, we think about the coming of the Lord. It seems like it's been a long time. It's been... 2,000 years plus since he left. It's been a long time. But that does not diminish the fact that he's coming. He is going to come. After a long time, it says, the Lord of those servants cometh. And that's a significant thing. You know, in Luke 19, it says, when he was returned, he called his servants to him that he might know how every man had gained by trading. So what are we to gain from this? What do we to learn from this? What are the principles... And obviously it's about the Lord going into heaven. Obviously the Lord's going to come back. Obviously the Lord gave to his servants his resources according to his own determination. And and when he comes back, there's going to be an accounting. And there were those that we already read in verses 20 and 22. They were faithful. And look at the language. We love this language in verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Verse 23, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, both of them didn't have the same thing to begin with. Both of them didn't have the same thing when it was over with, but both of them had been faithful with what they had. And by the way, this is an important thing for us to remember. The important thing about serving the Lord in this life is not really what God has given us, it's how faithful we are with what God has given us. All of us have been, when the Lord distributes to his disciples, he gives us resources to use until he comes back. And those people were called good and faithful servants. Now again, some were not faithful with what had been given unto them. Look again at verse 24. The one that had received one talent came, and really he tried to excuse his negligence by blaming it on the Lord or the The master, verse 24, he said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, because you're a hard man, I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. He's sort of blaming the Lord for that. And by the way, notice notice what he says in verse 25. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent. In other words, he knew that what he had that he did not use, he knew it wasn't his. He knew it was the Lord. It was your talent. And by the way, this language is consistent throughout the scripture. And so he was unfaithful with that. And notice the language that it used to describe him in verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Now... If we take the Bible seriously, and we should take the Bible seriously, we see that this is a picture, really, of how people are going to stand before the Lord one day. And they're going to have account to the Lord. And I know that in many people's mind, it's probably not possible for them in their mind to be convinced that Jesus would say to somebody, You're wicked and lazy, but that's exactly what he's saying. You're wicked and you're slothful. Because you've not done anything with what I gave you to do with. And again, Luke 19 gives similar language and similar rewards. And some of them were not faithful. And so what happened in verses 28 and following? They took the talent from him and gave it to someone who already had it. And notice what the, what the Bible says about this person in verse 30. It says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth unprofitable means worthless basically you're, you know you have not done what i told you what i i gave you one thing i gave you something and you've not used it you've not you've not applied it to your life It's and you're unprofitable and again in luke nineteen it calls him a wicked servant now, I would urge you to think about this this morning. We we generally think of wickedness as being when a person does something that they should not do. We look at that as wickedness. And by the way, it is wickedness. But the Bible makes it clear here in other places, it's just as wicked not to do what you should do as it is to do something you should not do. And I think sometimes even as believers, we look at what people are doing that is against the Word of God, and we call that wicked. That's wicked. How could they do that? How could they talk like that? How could they live like that? And yet we have things in our life that we know God has given us to do, and we neglect those things, but we give ourselves a pass on it. But according to this, it's just as wicked not to do what we should do. It is to do something we should not do. And so this is... This is a pretty serious passage of scripture to me, and uh, if I was given a title to this, I would title this, Taking Stewardship Seriously, because it's a serious matter. This is serious language. This is going to be a serious meeting one of these days, and so let's just think about this today and make some practical applications in our own lives. Again, just to... Just to go back over it, our Lord, after his earthly ministry, was complete. He went to the cross, and he died on the cross, and shed his blood as a sacrifice for our sins. And three days later, he raised from the dead, and he visibly, visibly ascended into heaven. They saw him go away. And I think it's very interesting that if you look at this This teaching here, Matthew 25, and I'll just kind of give you a brief summary to kind of give us a timeline. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus had that great passage of answering the question of the disciples, what will be the sign of your coming? The whole chapter 24, it has to do with the coming of the Lord. Then we have chapter 25. The next chapter, 26, we have the betrayal of Judas Iscariot and Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would suffer eventually and die on the cross. So this teaching that Jesus gives us about how we're to live in his absence came right before he left, went to the cross, and then went back to heaven. And so, before he he left, he gives these instructions. And and what did he do? He said, I'm going to entrust the work, my work, to my servants. And, and by the way, we are those servants. We are the servants that God has entrusted his work to. Now you say, well, these were given to this teaching was given to the apostles, these people teaching was given to the people that were present there. But the, we're his servants as well. He has given to us resources to use in his absence. And we're to serve him. And why are, we're to, two things clear: we're to serve Him, and we're to serve Him in anticipation of His return, because He's going to return. And we're to use what He's given us in a way that pleases Him. And one of the things that's clearly brought out in this passage and taught throughout the Bible that often is overlooked, and that is everything we have belongs to Him. Everything. The earth is the Lord, Psalm says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to Him. And again, we see this language clearly brought out in this text. Look in verse, look in, um, verse 14. It says, He called unto Him His servants and delivered unto them His goods. It didn't become their goods. What He gave them was His goods. And by the way, verse 14 says he called unto him his own servants. They were his servants. They were his goods. If you look in verse 18, it says he digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. If you look in verse 25, he says, I was afraid and hid thy talent. It was your talent that I hid. And verse 27, he says, thou oughtest therefore to put my money. It's my money. You should have taken my money and given it to the exchangers. At my coming, I should have received mine own. The language is clear. Everything they had was His. Right? And by the way, the same is true of us. We may not live like it. We may not think like it. But everything we have is His. The the automobile that you you drove in to come here today is His. You may not think about it, but it's His. The house you live in is His. Everything we have is His. You say, well, I just that's just too much for me to wrap my mind around. Well, we need to learn to wrap our mind around it because we belong... matter of fact, your body is His. You were bought with a price. We're to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. The mind we have is His. We're to use it in a way that would please Him. The the strength we have, the the air that we breathe, the the heart that beats in our chest, all these, it's all His. The chair you're sitting in today is His. It's all His. Now, you say, why do you emphasize that? Because I think a lot of times people go through life and they don't think like this. It's my car, it's my time, you know, they're my kids, it's my job. No, it's all His. Every bit of it's says. This is is one of the most important, basic, elementary realities of a servant's life is it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the King. It belongs to the Master. It's all His, and He's given us all what he wants to give us to use for his glory and he's entrusted his work to us and distributes gift to us now these passages in matthew as well as in luke you know really speak more specifically about money both of them do and you know the word talent here actually in matthew chapter 25 is a means of measuring money and so But stewardship is not just about money. It's about everything about our life. It's about the way we live our life. It's about the way we train our families. It's about, you know, but it is about money also. We are to be stewards of what God has given us. And for instance, the Bible says very clearly in the book of Proverbs, to honor the Lord with thy substance. Substance is what you have. Honor the Lord with it. And with the first fruits, of all thine increase, first fruits means the first part of it. Of all thine increase, so so that's a part of our stewardship. You know, the first part. Of, you say you you believe that you really believe that the first part of everything that comes to you, you ought to give to God. Absolutely, I believe that with all of my heart. And I hadn't just started believing that recently. I started believing that when I was a new Christian. Everything belongs to God. Every the whole thing, but the tithe is holy, and we ought to give that to the Lord, we ought to honor Him with it. God is to be honored with our money. Now you may have a little money or a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, maybe I could borrow some, but, if you, but whatever you have, it belongs to God. It belongs to God. And we ought to use it in a way that would please Him. And I'm, I'm persuaded today that there are many of God's people, people who claim to be saved, probably are saved, But they don't look look at it like this. They don't think this is... That's why I say this is taking stewardship seriously because we're to use what God has given us in a way that would please Him. That does not mean that we can't go on vacation. It doesn't mean that we can't go fishing. It doesn't mean... But it means everything we do, we ought to try to filter it through, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this how you want me to use what you've given to me? And... You say, Who's this? who should this be for? It should be ever, for everyone. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And I thought of a, I thought of a message that I preached. Uh, I have the outline here. Um, a message I preached in 1995 in Lithuania. Now, at that time, Lithuania was a free republic. And they gained their independence from the Soviet Union in 1990. So, so this I, we were there five years. I was there five years after they gained their independence from the Soviet Union. It was a very pop, impoverished place, to say the least. The average income at that time, not just in my village but in the country, was $100 a month. That was the average income. Imagine, and you could say, well, they, $100 a month will go as far there as you know, $3,000 a month here. Not quite the same. Now, I'm making a point. Why would I teach people that only make $25 a week about the importance of being good stewards with what God gave them? Because it, it's, this message is not just for wealthy people, it's for all people. And I believe this, I personally believe this is one of the most important principles in the Bible, to learn to understand that everything belongs to God and that God wants us to use what He gives us in a way that would please Him. And I'm not going to turn to it, but in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter writes this, as every man hath received the gift, even so Minister the same one to another as good stewards of the grace of God. You know, God has given every Christian a spiritual gift, and that we're supposed to use those spiritual gifts to minister to each other as stewards. We're all stewards. That means we're managers. It doesn't belong to us. You have a spiritual gift. And you may or may not know what that spiritual gift is, but your job, you didn't, you didn't do anything to earn it. God gave it to you. And you know what you're to do? You're to use it. You're to use it to glorify Him and to honor Him. And everything we have comes from God. You know, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, what, I'm going to paraphrase, what do you have that you did not receive? It's a hypothetical question. Kind of a rhetorical question. What do you have that you don't... And the answer is, you don't have anything you didn't receive. Everything you have... You received. You say, "Well, I, I, I work hard and save my money, and and I earned it." Don't, the Bible says that God—it's God—that gives us the ability to make wealth. It all comes from God, and so, so this is teaching us that everything we have, is, I, my time is a gift from God. Every day, every day there should be a conscious on the part of good stewards. There should be a conscious awareness. That this day I have today is a gift from God. And that I ought to use this day for His glory and for His honor. And that brings us to the last part of this teaching. And that is that one of these days we're going to give an account to God. This is clearly taught here in this text. One of these days we're going to answer to God. You know, One of the things that really stands out to me in this passage... Both of these passages is that the one who who had a, something from the, the to be a manager over and did not use it, did not obey, and the severe judgment on that person. Do you remember that reading that? It says right here in Matthew chapter twenty-five. It says, "Take therefore the talent from him in verse twenty-eight. Give it to him that ten pounds. Verse thirty, and cast you the unprofitable servant." Into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's pretty serious. Now would you would you let your mind think about that for a moment? That's pretty serious. The one who had this one thing and they did not use it. Jesus said will be cast, cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you say what all does that mean? I'm not sure. Perhaps I don't know everything that it means, but I'll tell you what I believe about this. I believe the one thing that God has given to every person is the awareness that He is, God is, and that God is the Almighty. And the greatest and first thing He gives us is the awareness that we need Him, the gospel. If a person hears the gospel, and by the way, you say, well, what about people who've never heard? The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. Listen to this. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. That means in the most remote recesses, the most impoverished people, the most isolated people, the creation itself is speaking to them. That that God exists. Now what happens if a person rejects the knowledge of God? What happens if a person rejects the gospel? We just read about it right here. Cast Cast that person into the outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, if a person wastes that opportunity to hear the gospel, then nothing else really matters for them. Because they're going to be eternally separated from God. Now listen. People, I don't know what it is about the world that we live in, but often people hear this and it doesn't really resonate with them. It doesn't really connect with them. But I'm telling you, this is the most serious thing in the world to think about. What's going to happen to me after I die? And you're going to go somewhere forever, right? You're going to go to heaven forever? or you are going to go to hell forever? You're going to go somewhere forever. And you say, well, what do I do to make sure I don't go to hell? I want to go to heaven. You have to respond to the gospel. That means that Jesus died for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. That he shed his blood for us. A payment has been paid for our salvation. Someone has already paid the price for my redemption. Somebody has already paid the price for my sins. And his name is Jesus Christ. He came into the world and he took our sins upon his own body on the tree. He suffered and died. He was buried and raised on the third day. And I'm telling you, that is the way of salvation. And if you receive that, then you, according to the Bible, you have received eternal life. If you reject that, if you reject that provision, that hope of salvation, according to the Bible, you're going to die in your sins. That's what the Bible says. So, so this is serious stuff here. This whole matter about using, you know, I preached this many, many, many years ago in our church. I said, use it or lose it. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. If you don't use the message of the gospel, you're going to lose it. To be, whatever you have is going to be taken away from you. And so, so number one, we have those that are, you say, well, what's going to happen as far as their sins? One of these days, they're going to stand before God. And there, there's two two major judgments in the Bible. The great white throne judgment when every every person who's ever breathed God's air who did not receive Jesus Christ are going to be cast in the lake of fire. It gives me no pleasure to say that, but it's the truth. There's a, everybody's going to face judgment. Everybody. It's appointed a man wants to die. After this, the judgment. This is very serious. You reject the gospel, then there's no hope for you. But then what about those who have trusted Christ, those who have received the God's gift of eternal life. We belong to the Lord. And God gifts us and tells us as His servants we're to serve Him. And every, you know, this would be a great exercise. Not for now, but for, for just some time when you have a few moments to spare. This would be a great exercise. Take you a piece of blank paper. You sit down before the Lord and say, God, I want to write down everything that I have. Everything that I have. I have family. I have friends. I have a church family. I have a job. I have my health. I have certain talents and abilities. Everybody does. I have a a good mind to think, to honor the Lord with my thoughts. I have spiritual gifts. Write down everything you have. And recognize that one of these days when we stand before God, we're going to give an account for how we've used what God gave us. That's pretty serious stuff. This is what's taught in these parables. He he went away, but before he went, he gave to his servants certain things. And says, occupy till I come. You use these things until I come back. And you say, well... We're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. No, we'll be at another judgment. The Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ. taught numerous places in the Bible. Let me read you one. Paul wrote, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us who are saved. If you're saved, you're going to be there. We're not going to be there as a group. We're going to be there individually. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're going we're to answer for that. We're going to give an account for that. You know, I read an interesting thing yesterday. It came in as a, uh, an email from another pastor. And I thought about it as it relates to this. You know, we sometimes people look at this thing about stewardship and letting God have his way in our finances, all like. Like, I just can't afford to do this. I mean, I don't have the resources to do this. So this guy, this, I, it just really pertained to what we're talking about today, so I'll just kind of briefly tell you what it was about. But in a recent study, they took the average salary in America and compared it to the average salaries in the rest of the world. And then they made adjustments to our salary based on the cost of living to see how our salaries compares to the rest of the world. And the result of that was that the average citizen in America, and that would be you, the average citizen in America, after allowing and adjusting for the expensive cost of living here, makes 10 times more than the average citizen in other countries of the world. And yet, And yet, there are a lot of people who claim to have God as their father, claim to be saved, that don't feel like they can afford to give God. You know, the problem with our giving is not money. The problem with our giving is a lack of character and obedience to God. Now, that may not be easy to say, but that's the truth. We're blessed people, Right? I mean, just, just look where we're sitting. What a comfortable environment to be sitting in. And we drove vehicles to church. You say, everybody drives vehicles. No, no I've been places where people walk more than an hour one way to get to church. And then sit on the floor. And that yet, yet it's manageable for them. The problem with us in America is we're spoiled rotten. We really are. I'm just saying, when we stand before God, and we're going to be there one of these days, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account to Him. We're not going to give account to our own thinking. We're not going to give account to what's customary or popular. We're going to give account to Him for what we've done with what He gave us to do. That is a tremendously sobering thought to this preacher. That I'm going to give an account to God for the way I've used what he gave me. And all of us are. So so I just want to kind of wrap this up but with the question, how serious is this to us? This is a serious subject. And I I don't I don't intend to be critical or harsh, but I don't think everybody takes it seriously. But I think we should. And Obviously, when I think about this, I'm thinking about our individual lives, but I'm also thinking about our ministry. And you have to apply, as we did in Sunday school this morning, in the Bible study, we apply this to the subject of ministry and missions and outreach and and getting the gospel out. Why did God give us these resources? Why, Why did God give us jobs? God didn't just give us a job so we can... You know, put money aside, live the American dream. Nothing wrong with having a home. Nothing wrong with having a vehicle that starts most of the time. You know why God gave us this? He gave us these resources that we could use them for His glory and for His honor. And yet, many people, in a, maybe even in this room, fail to include the most important. You know what matters more to God than anything else in the world? It's not our comfort, and it's not our convenience, it's not even our health. What matters more to God than anything else in the world is getting people saved. It's people hearing the gospel. So think about this, number one, we should recognize God as the owner of everything we have. Everything. Number two, it may be that we should have a repentant heart over the way we've treated resources like they were ours and not including God in decisions we're making. A repentance for poor stewardship. Number three, we ought to seek to honor God with whatever he's entrusted us with. Whatever it is. Small or large, whatever it is. We ought to, you say, well, you know, young people here, teenagers here, what does this have to do with them? It has everything to do with them. If you're, saved, if you're a teenager and you're saved, the money that you make on, in allowance is just as part of your income. It's just as real as, as what somebody here works a full-time job. The spiritual gifts you have... You're accountable. If you were to stand before, if Jesus were to come right now, I believe that every one of us that are saved would stand before him, and even young people would give an account. What have you done with what God gave you to do? We ought to seek to honor him with it. Amen. Amen. And then, as I mentioned earlier, and I trust you took this seriously, if you're here and you're not saved, today you have heard, you've heard the gospel. That Christ died for you, according to the scripture. Was buried and raised again on the third day, according to the scripture. And that through repentance to God and faith in Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven of your sins. Adopted into God's family. Know you're going to go to heaven when you die. So, as far as God is concerned, He's given you this wonderful opportunity. What are you going to do with it? My advice to be my My counsel would be, my suggestion would be, today, while it's called today, you ought to say, I want to make sure that I know the Lord. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. I want to make sure my sins are forgiven. That's the most important decision for you today, right? Amen. Amen.